0: Well, good morning, Victory Life Church. Great to see you today. For those of us joining online, welcome to church. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Isn't it had a great day to uh, express Valentine's Day to one another? I don't know about you, but I think uh, during COVID and all things related to social distancing, we don't get to spread the love enough. And so, I'm gonna read a verse to you and ask you to spread the love in a socially distanced way, okay? Listen to this verse that Jesus said in the book of John. He said, a new command I give you to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So may I encourage you in a very socially distanced way, turn around and wave to someone and say, I love you, my friend. So take a minute to do that. It's the best we can do, okay? So thanks for playing today and thanks for loving your neighbor. And indeed, as one of the pastors that gets to serve here at Victory Life Church, I just want to say I love you. And it's You are a blessing to me and my family, and uh, as Paul says in the book of Philippians, I truly do thank my God every time I remember you, and so happy Valentine's Day indeed to you. Uh, If you are a first-time attendee with us, we just want to say thanks for joining us, and I hope that we didn't weird you out too much by spreading the love this morning. Uh, we would consider it a privilege to join you in your journey of faith. And so if you'd like to learn more about who we are, of course, you can go to our website at vlchurch.com. And there is a tab there that says, Are You New Here? If you could click on that tab and complete the form that pops up on your screen, we would be most grateful unto you. And then we will send a message sometime this week to you. And that will, in fact, come for me. And we'd love to connect and help you along your journey of faith. I just have a few reminders for you this morning. We have our annual meeting that's coming up on Monday, or excuse me, Monday, yeah, February 22nd at 7 p.m. You should have received a snail mail uh, by this time with all of the related details about voting and things uh, that go along with it. This is just a great opportunity for us as a church to talk about how we have used God's resources over the course of the past year, and how we can continue advancing God's message throughout this world and in our community. And so uh, please check out that snail mail, and if you plan to join us on Monday, February 22nd, we look forward to seeing you there and anticipating what the next chapter that God has for us. I also want to make mention of the fact that we will have our next Growth Track class coming up uh, starting this Wednesday. And so if you are relatively new to Victory Life Church and you'd like to learn more about how you can get on a pathway of growth in your faith, uh, we invite you to join us. You can still do that. And you can go to our website, vlchurch.com backslash grow. And there is a growth track tab there that you can click on and fill that out. And we would love to have you. It's going to be here in person uh, on Wednesday nights in room 307 at 7 p.m. And so we would love to have you if you would so choose to uh, join us. If you have come to give to Victory Life Church, you know there's a couple of different ways that you can do that. You can certainly uh, go to our website, vlchurch.com backslash give, and there's a give here tab that you can click on. Just follow the prompts. Uh, you can also text to give. Text the message VLC 3833 to the number 73256 and follow the prompts that you are given there. But if you've come today to give, there's uh, certainly going to be ushers on your way out. You can just plop that uh uh, that check or whatever item you have to give uh, to Victory Life Church this morning in the basket as you depart today. So thanks for giving to Victory Life Church. God continues to bless our church in great ways, and so we're certainly uh, grateful unto you for uh, continuing to give. Can I ask you to stand as we segue into worship this morning? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for what it tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. It says that we love because you first loved us. Jesus told us that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And So may our worship this morning be an expression of of love back to you because of how you took the first step towards loving us. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: chosen. We're not forsaken. We've been called out of darkness into his glorious light. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will always love us. He will always forgive us. The promises of Christ, they're good and they are true. And I believe to enter into the fullness of those promises of our own. Jesus. i
2: Welcome again to Victory Life Church this morning. We are so glad to be ministering to you and with you this morning. I love that I get to preach after our worship team and the Holy Spirit has ministered to me. And it's a blessing to be able to bring the Word to you today. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to the book of John. We're going to be in chapter 17, verses 13 and following today as we continue talking about The On the Rock series as it relates to studying and learning and being part of the Word of God. We really want to encourage you throughout this winter season to develop a rhythm of life that sets your feet on the rock. And studying the Word of God is certainly one of those rhythms, as we learned in the fall, prayer and worship are those rhythms as well. Well, about this time, one year ago, my children let me know something. They let me know that I would be buying them a Nintendo Switch. And about this time, one year ago, I let my children know something. I let them know that I would not be buying them a Nintendo Switch. Uh, I said, yeah, we got a gaming console already. The Xbox is here. We've got computers. we got tablets. You don't need a Switch. Yes, we need a Switch. And so I said to them, listen, I think that's fine. If you want a Switch, you can earn a Switch. I said, you can get your Nintendo. I said, all you got to do is save up the money for it you would have thought that I'd invited them to take a trip to Mars. They looked at me like, they said, well, how much is a Switch? I said, $300. They said, no, it's not. I said, yes, it is. It's $300. And so they began to look in their wallets and their purses, and collectively the older four had about $12.42. And they realized that it was going to be a long haul if they were going to get a Nintendo Switch. But I wanted to teach them a little bit about what it means to count the cost and know the value of something. And I said, listen, you guys can get there. I know you can. I said, I know you can save this money, and you can do so pretty quick. I said, here's the deal. You guys save up enough for the Switch, and I will pay the taxes, and I will buy the games for it. But if you guys save enough. So we started the Switch Jar, and they were... uh, faithful to put money in the Switch car every time that they'd shoveled somebody's walkway or every time that they'd earned some money around the house and they put it in and they put it in and they put it in and they, they put it in. And eventually, uh, those, those four kids, all under the age of 10 at that point, were able to save enough for a Nintendo Switch. Imagine that. Imagine that they could find ways to earn money and do that. But what is so cool about that now is that they take care of it. And they take care of it well. Why? Because they know what the cost is. They know the value of what they've purchased. And I'm really glad they got me a Nintendo Switch. I'm really proud of them for that. It's a real blessing because I certainly knew the cost and the value before they started saving for it. So thank you to the kids. I want to talk to you today about the cost of being people of the word and the value of being people of the word. You know, last week we talked about how important it was to be people of the Word, and and I got a lot of good verbal affirmation from those of you who are in the in the in the house today. A lot of good. Mm-hmm, that's right. Amen. That's who we're going to be. But Jesus is going to let us know now just what the cost is is going to be to truly being people of the world to a Word to allow the Scripture to define our Christianity, and He's going to also tell us about the value so that we can make sure that if we're going to be people of the Word, we know what that's really all, all about. Are you in John chapter 17? All right, we're going to be in 13 and following, and let me set the context for you. Jesus is praying some prayers over himself, over his disciples, over the church. It's the night before he's going to die on the cross. He's pretty much on his way to the Mount of Olives to be betrayed by Judas. He's making his way to the point where he is going to die. And he's praying over what's going to happen moving forward, and he's praying here over his disciples. And I want you to see what he prays as it relates to the word. In praying to the Father, Jesus said in verse 13, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, Because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they may also be sanctified in truth. There's a lot going on there in just a few verses, but at the heart of the whole matter is this. Jesus has been sent into the world to bring the words from God to his disciples that will then bring it to the world. The word and the deeds of Jesus are directly in the path of the scriptures as we talked about last week. Jesus is going to do things in accordance with the scriptures. In fact, the context here. In John chapter 17, uh, verse 12, is that even the betrayal of Judas was alluded to in the scriptures, if you were to look up one verse. Jesus is defining his mission through the words and the revelation of God from the beginning of time, quoting the Old Testament, interpreting the Old Testament, uh, letting people know that everything that he does is through the lens of the word. And of course, his words and his deeds are going to become the direct words and deeds that make up our New Testament. There's a direct line between the words of Jesus, the words of God, and the word of God as we know it to be the scriptures. But if I were studying this passage, I would need to break some things down because there's a lot going on. Some of you have caught our YouTube videos on how to study the word of God. You've been watching those on our website, vlchurch.com, and you've been reacquainting yourself or acquainting yourself for the first time with how to break down a Bible passage to begin to understand it. And if I were to do part I, if I were to investigate here and look into what's happening, I would notice a few things in what Jesus had said. I would notice in verse 13 that Jesus has given us words that are meant to bring us joy. He wants our joy to be fulfilled through his word. I would notice that Jesus has given us his word, or the word of God. I would notice that as a result of receiving the word, disciples will be hated. We'll get back to that. I would see that The disciples of Jesus are not of this world. I would notice that. I would notice that even though we're not of the world, Jesus is sending us into the world. And we'll discuss that in just a minute. So he says, Father, protect them from the evil one. I would notice that he keeps saying the word sanctify. That's a $10 Christian word, isn't it? Sanctify. To sanctify something means to set it apart for service to God. To set it apart to serve God. So I would find out as I dove in to the passage that Jesus wanted us to be set apart by the truth of the Word of God. And finally, I would notice something interesting at the end of verse 17 that Jesus had also set himself apart for something. This is a really tough passage. It's an interesting passage. It's got a lot of tension in it, it's got a lot of things that should make us go hmm, what is the Lord Jesus getting at? What I want to talk about today as we count the cost are three specific tensions that are here in this passage. The first is this, that you do not belong to this world, but you belong in this world, according to Jesus. You don't belong to this world, but you belong in this world. The second tension that I have trouble wrapping my mind around is that to receive the word of Christ is to be hated. To receive the word of Christ is to be hated. The, the object of hate, and, and hopefully we'll end up on a high note. Ah, thank you, Cloris Leachman. Let's end on a high note by recognizing that the ultimate purpose in Jesus giving and fulfilling the word of God is to bring us joy, even if we get hated for it. Let's talk about that first one for just a minute that Jesus unpacks for us. You don't belong to this world, but you belong in this world. Multiple times in this passage, Jesus says, you are not of the world. Well, that's an of of belonging. If it was 200 years ago, I would look at you and I would say, I am Matthew of Skifstad. He said, what did he just say? I said, I am Matthew of Skifstad, right? I would be located as being of something or belonging to something. This is not of of belonging in the scriptures. They are not of the world. They don't belong to the world. that's an interesting statement, because I feel like I belong to the world. I belong to water. I belong to sunshine, though we don't see it for four months in Ohio. I belong to to vitamin D that sunshine provides, and if not, I will take some in my multivitamin. I belong to, to, to food that God has provided for me. I belong to the joys of this. I belong here. So what does he mean that I'm not of, I don't belong to the world? Well, more specifically, what Jesus is getting at is I don't belong to the people of this world. I don't belong to their values and their expectations and their desires and their designs. That's what I'm not of. I'm not of the world. I don't belong to them. Because those people out there, they didn't spin out the universe. So I don't belong to them. The people out there, they they didn't dream up the idea of my existence. So I don't belong to them. They didn't create the plan for my life. I don't belong to them. They didn't secure my destiny by dying on a cross. I don't belong to them. They didn't pull me out of my life that was headed nowhere and give me a new birth into a living hope, so I don't belong to them. And they certainly don't have the words of truth. I don't belong to them. You don't belong to them either. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. The of of belonging does not pertain to you. You don't belong to be of them. You are here to be here though. This is the interesting thing. We're not of the world, but Jesus, instead of saying, so Father, just zap them all to heaven right now, goes, just as you've sent me, I am sending them. So you don't, you're not of the world, but you certainly belong in the world. You're supposed to be here. Jesus intended for you to be here. Now, to understand that we're not of the world, that's not very hard for us to understand. We don't, we don't have the same expectations, the same values, the same desires, and the same designs on our life as folks who don't know Jesus. I was thinking about the famous passage of the Beatitudes this week. How many of you know the Beatitudes? Blessed are. Yeah, you'd misquote them right along with me. You'd be like, blessed are the poor poor peacemakers. So you would begin to say, blessed are. And then you'd get somewhere. I was just looking at these this week. And I was thinking about like like some words of Jesus that everybody's like, yeah, those are beautiful. Like, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are you when you're meek, like when you're gentle, when you don't have to have things your way, when you don't have to stand up for yourself to get things your way, when you just go, that's definitely a worldly expectation, right? Just be meek. Just don't stand up for yourself. Just allow God to stand up for you. And you'll, you'll inherit the earth. How do you feel about that? Blessed are the peacemakers. We live in such a time of peace, don't we? We, we love peace. We, 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 love, we love not having enemies, right? But like, okay. But we'll, we'll, we'll blessed are the pure in heart. Yeah, purity. P- pure. You're like, what is that word? Purity. It's a word from the Bible. It's full of meaning. These aren't the values. These aren't the expectations of the world. They're the values and expectations of God. You can look at this beautiful passage of Scripture that we call the Beatitudes and go, wow, that's so beautiful. Those are the words of Jesus. But then when you really get back to what it means to be of the world. You recognize that it is not of the world to be meek. It is not of the world to be a peacemaker. It is not of the world to be pure in heart. In fact, that brings you in direct contrast with the world. If you belong to God, you'll never belong to them. Here's the problem. This is what Jesus is getting at. This is the cost he's trying to associate with being people that belong to him and belong to the word. But I have watched us as a Christian community. I don't just mean VLC, but as a Christian community within the United States. I have watched us and I have watched us and I have watched us so desperately wanting to belong. Where Jesus says you're never going to belong. You're never going to belong. You can't belong if you belong to me and my word. You're not going to get there. Does anybody remember how the Beatitudes end? Does anybody remember what Jesus said at the end of that beautiful passage? I do. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Jesus is saying, if you live this way, if you live according to my word, if you live according to the words that I've given you from the Father, get ready to be persecuted, get ready to be reviled, and get ready for people to lie on you. How do you feel about that? Pastor Matt, this is the saddest message that you have ever preached. These are the words of Jesus. This is the cost of being a disciple. This is the cost of being a person of the word. You're like, well, where does that leave us? What do we do with that? Does that leave us in full opposition to the world? Is it time to get angry? Time to get tough? Time to get defiant? Time to get bitter at the state of the world? No. Here's the problem we're not of the world. And we're sent in. Yeah. Testing, testing one, two. We are now in the good zone, right in between not being of the world, but being in the world. We are there, right? We are right in the middle of this world. We are sent into it. We don't get angry and defiant and bitter at the world. What do we get? We have this realization that we're not of the world, but we are for the world. See, this is who Jesus was. He wasn't of the world. He wasn't going to settle for their expectations and their values and their desires and their designs. But he was for the world, full of compassion, full of mercy, for God so loved the world. Does it say God so reviled the world that he gave his one and only son? No, it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's who he is, and that's what he did. So in the same way, we are sent as he was sent, not to belong to the world, but to be for the world. We know the one who spun out the universe and the world should belong to him. We know the one who dreamt up the existence of every single human being who ever lived. They should belong to him. We know the one who created a glorious path for their life. They should belong to him. We know the one that secured their destiny by dying on a cross for their sins. They should belong to him. We know the words that lead to truth. They should belong to the one who spoke them. We've got to get this straightened out by God's word, folks. We don't belong to them, but we are for them. That's what Jesus was all about. He didn't belong to their expectations. He didn't belong to their values. But he certainly loved them with all his heart and gave himself fully to them. And that leads us to our second point. You can be in the world, but that doesn't mean the world's going to love you. Jesus says the world didn't always receive me. How can they receive my disciples? And that leads us to the second tension, which is to receive the word is to be hated by the world. To be the ones who take in the word of God are to be is to be hated by the world. You say, well, that never happened to Jesus. Au contraire mon frere, he died for speaking the words of God. He died for bringing about the deeds that would bring us eternal life. Even his own disciples turned on him for bringing about the deeds and the words of eternal life. There's an incredible passage in John chapter 6 where Jesus feeds the 5,000, and right after he explains that if he's going to be the Messiah that saves them for eternity, he is going to have to die and he's going to have to give his life and he's going to have to shed his blood for them. And on telling them this, and on explaining what it truly means to be the Savior of the world, it says that on hearing this, many of his disciples says this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And what becomes really interesting, in John chapter 6, 6, 6, that's really the verse number and the chapter, it says that many of his disciples left him because of the words that he was speaking. His followers said, this is getting hard, this is getting tough, we can't be Jesus' followers anymore. He turns to his disciples in John chapter 6, verse 69, and he says, are you going to leave too? the twelve? And you know what they said? Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. This this incredible moment in the Book of John is is part and parcel of who we are as Christians. We have to really get un, uh, uh, get it under our skin and into our brains that if we are going to be the people of the world, that means that we're going to be in opposition and hated by the world. Jesus understood this, and he's trying to make it clear that that's who we are, and that's what's going to have happen. Not just to receive the hard words of Christ, but even to receive the gospel. We say, well, the gospel is beautiful, but I don't like everything else in the Bible. Peter calls the gospel an offense. Paul calls the gospel foolishness. Jesus wants us to count the cost, to recognize that if we're going to be people of the word, it means that there's a potential of us being hated. That if we're going to share the word of Christ, if we're going to be real about who Jesus is and who he said he was, if we're going to engage in the entire counsel of God, the ethics and values of the scripture, then it's going to be a tough road. That's the cost. This is why Jesus says to the Father, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Set them apart in service to you Help them to drive a stake and say, here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. This is who I'm going to be, because I belong to God. This is the person that I'm going to be. These are the things that I'm going to believe. This is the word that I'm going to invest in, because this is me. This is who I am. And I want to have an effect in this world. I want to change the world for Christ. So set me apart by your truth, Lord, in the same way that Jesus prayed that I would be set apart by your word. I never again want to think that I belong to the world. I never again want to assume that to be led by Christ leads to the easiest possible path. Help them to remain in your word, Father, so that they don't lose themselves. As they engage in this world that is an utter rebellion to you. Jesus is saying, I don't want them to get the waters muddied. I don't want them to get confused. I don't want them in any way to think that you can be a person of the word and be a person of the world. You can't be both. So set them apart. Sanctify them by your word so that they don't lose themselves, Lord. You say, this is heavy. Yeah, it is heavy. Jesus realized it would be heavy, and he prayed these words when he was about to do the most heavy thing in the history of humanity: had the sins of the world laid across his shoulders. But for what? So that we can be right. So that we can be right. We we have the truth. Is that what Jesus was all about? Christians are right. Hallelujah! Praise the Lamb. Is that what God was after for us? I got to tell you, being right was not why any of this was being put in place in John chapter 17. He didn't care if we were right. He had something so much better for us. And he has this crazy notion that we can have joy in the midst of being hated. That ultimately, he is going to make us people set apart by the word of God for our joy. He says in verse 13, I have spoken these things so that my joy may be fulfilled in them. Now, that's specific. He says his joy fulfilled in us. Well, what was his joy? What was he doing to set himself apart to bring us joy? What was the joy of Jesus? We find that out in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says this. But for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross, despising its shame. The joy of Jesus, the thing that that was going to bring him ultimate joy, was that even though it wasn't the easiest possible path, it was the best possible path, because the path that he had sanctified himself for led to salvation. Led to men and women coming to know Jesus. That was his joy. His joy was that he may have to give his life and give everything up for us, but in the end, it would bring us salvation. Jesus purchased our lasting joy with his death. That was the cost. In order that they might have joy, I'll die for them. So people who bear the word of Christ, people who are willing to say, I'm going to drive a stake and set myself apart for the, for, the, for the kingdom of God, and I'm going to live according to the word of God, and it doesn't matter if I'm hated or if I'm persecuted or if I'm lied on because I know what I'm doing. It's people who set that stake and people who are open to that, people who are clear on that, are not being clear on that, that they might be right. But people who drive a stake and sanctify themselves and set themselves apart as people of the word, they do so because they have the joy of knowing that they've been saved. They've been saved. Jesus has saved them. And Jesus is after saving other people. For joy to be complete, we can't take the easiest possible path. For joy to be complete, we must recognize that to be people of the word are to be people who do cause offense, people who do receive hate, people who oftentimes are misunderstood and reviled, and perhaps even persecuted, if it means that by being people of the word, people will come to be saved. That's the joy that Jesus sets before us. And that's why Jesus says to the Father, don't take them out of this world to which they don't belong. Send them in. Send them in. Set them apart by your word, Lord. Because if you don't, and they dive into the expectations and the values and the desires and the designs of this world, if they dive into those, they have nothing to offer this lost and dying world. If they're so interested in being of the world, then they're not for the world. And that's the issue. We can be of the world, but we can't be for the world. If we're of the world, or we can be not of the world and we can be for the world. That's the cost of being people of the word, never fitting in while always being for, being an object of revulsion while loving and spreading the joy of salvation. That's the cost. It's not the easiest possible path, but it's the best possible path to accept the word, to believe the word, to share the word, in spite of what it may cost us. That's the cost. Jesus surveyed the cost, and he thought that the value added to our lives. that's the question I have for you. Do you need to be a person of the word today to be right? Is that the goal? Or do you need to be a person of the word today? Because you're for the world. You need to offer them something that they don't have. You're willing to talk to them about God's best for their life. You're willing to be open to the idea That Jesus has something better than they've ever been offered before. That's what it means to be not of the world, but in the world. That's what it means to be open to being hated if it means being people of the Word. Because ultimately, when we reach heaven, our joy is not going to be in how many times resonated with people, how many times they said, oh, they're just like us. We belong together. Our joy is going to be that people came to know Jesus because we were willing to count the cost and see the value in being people of the word. Let us be in this world. be people of the word regardless of what it costs for the joy that is set before us bring salvation to the souls of men and women in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would you bow your heads and pray with me Father God we thank you we thank you that you have given us your word in written form and in the person of Christ Jesus. And you have given us honesty, Lord, recognizing that if we're going to be people of your word, it's going to be tough. We're going to have different values. We're going to have different plans. The expectations on our lives will be different. You're designed for will be embraced. Thank you for being honest with us. But Lord Jesus, I do pray that you'd set us apart by your word. I do pray that we would be willing to recognize that the only way that we can be for the world is to recognize that we are not of it. The only way we can truly so love the world as you have loved them to give them you. Even if you're the last thing on their mind. God, I pray we'd count the cost. We'd see the value in being people of your word. Because ultimately, Lord, we don't study the scriptures for knowledge. We don't read the word so that we can be different. We study the scriptures to learn your heart learn your ways, to learn your wisdom, that we might have something to share with a lost and a dying world. God, I pray you'd set our hearts alight with the light of your word, that we may bring it to a world that needs it so desperately. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, "Amen." amen. Amen. Would you stand? There is a joy that is set before us, folks, but the cost is great. If you're looking at an empty Nintendo Switch jar today, going, I don't know if I can get there, start putting in deposits day after day after day because the value of sharing Christ Jesus with a lost and a dying person far outweighs the cost of being a person of the word. There's great things in store for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us into this place today. And I pray, Lord, we would go from this place with a resolve to be people of your word. That the joy that is set before us may be fulfilled. Thank you for sending us. Now send us out to do what you designed us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless.